0: So today's scripture reading is taken from Judges chapter 17. There was a man of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Micah, and he said to his mother, The one thousand and one hundred pieces of silver that were taken from you, about which you uttered a curse, and also spoke it in my ears. Behold, the silver is with me. I took it. And his mother said, Blessed be my son by the Lord. And he restored the 1,100 pieces of silver to his mother. And his mother said, I dedicate the silver to the Lord from my hand for my son, to make a carved image and a metal image. Now, therefore, I will restore it to you. So when he restored the money to his mother, his mother took 200 pieces of silver and gave it to the silversmith, who made it into a carved image and a metal image. And it was in the house of Micah. And the man Micah had a shrine, and he made an ephod and household gods, and ordained one of his sons, who became his priest. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Now there was a young man of Bethlehem in Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite, and he sojourned there. And the man departed from the town of Bethlehem in Judah to sojourn where he could find a place." And as he journeyed, he came to the hill country of Ephraim to the house of Micah. And Micah said to him, Where do you come from? And he said to him, I am a Levite of Bethlehem in Judah, and I am going to sojourn where I may find a place. And Micah said to him, Stay with me, and be to me a father and a priest, and I will give you ten pieces of silver a year and a suit of clothes and your living. And the Levite went in. And the Levite was content to dwell with the man, and the young man became to him like one of his sons. And Micah ordained the Levite, and the young man became his priest, and was in the house of Micah. Then Micah said, Now I know that the Lord will prosper me, because I have a Levite as praise. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Shannon. You may be seated. We're almost there, church? Three more weeks and we finish the judges Ew. it's a long way it's a long way it's almost uh, almost two months i think more than two months so uh today we're gonna as like Yoshi said we're gonna skip a little bit the uh, uh samson we're gonna put samson at the end so we're gonna continue in the judges chapter 17 and chapter 18 so before that let me Tell a little bit of story, all right? Uh, so every year, Alice and I always do this a blood check, right? Just to monitor our health, all right? When you're getting older, it's important to monitor your health. You never know. Uh, as we receive the result, normally after we do the blood check, we get a couple of pages of results, right? All the number, everything is all the number. And sometimes if out of limit, uh, you get the star, something like that. And this is the thing that uh, one of my results, kind of like out of, kind of out of the spec, out of limit, of the maximum limit. And the thing is, those numbers basically doesn't mean anything. Those numbers are just the surface level that basically if out of limit, it means that there's something that, it could be something in your body is not functioning properly, right? So this is some of the, my numbers, out of limit, so basically that uh, my GP is saying that, all right, what you need to do is basically that we need to zoom in a little bit. We need to have look closer. And what I'm going to do that I'm going to send you to the ultrasound to check. And check the ultrasound and everything. And they found that first, they found that I have a fatty liver. Can you believe it? This body has a fatty liver. <laughs> Can't believe it. And also they found that there's a gallbladder stone in my body. So that's not really uh, the, the, the point of the story. But what, what I'm trying to do is something that... When I do the blood check, I got all the pages of the result. There's a lot of results. But those results doesn't mean anything. Those results are just a symptom of the surface level. Normally, when we want to know what happened, we need to zoom in a little bit. So that's why the GP sent me to ultrasound, sent me to another check or everything to find out what really the root cause, what really the problem in your body. And that's what we're going to do today. So Judges 17 and 18 is basically that that's what we're going to do today. We're going to try to zoom in a little bit. So we're talking about the judges all the time. We're talking about judges all the time. We're talking about that top level of judges' life. What we're going to do right now, we're going to zoom in a little bit, and we're going to have a look on the surface level, on the bottom level, with the people of Israel. By knowing that, you will find that how israelite people fallen very rapidly they're very kind of like coming from from god save them god kind of helped them right now they've fallen rapidly and how the author tried to show us is by giving these two chapters to zoom in on the surface level and that's what we're going to do today that's what we're going to do today so we Last week we learned about the story of Samson, that basically that, the, that Samson is the last judge and we're gonna come back again in two weeks. So basically that is one thing that we need to know, the context of chapter 17 18. So chapter 17 and 18 are not in the chronological order in the book of Judges. I think it's very important context that we need to know. So it doesn't mean that the, the story that we're gonna follow through right now is basically happened after the Samson, no. But this story, this event happened in one of the Judges. And so, you know, when you read the, the book, there's an appendix at the, at the end, right? So it's like the appendix. And it, it, should ask, it should trigger us asking the question, so what's the purpose, then, the author put these two chapters at the end? Why? I mean, they just put it in the middle of the judges. But I think there's, there's one of the main purpose of why the author want to put it at the end is really that the, the, the author tried to tell us, you know what? The time of the judges is really one of the darkest times in the Israel history. You just really want to try to summarize everything, have a look how rapidly Israelites fall into the sin. So let's start. So I'm going to divide the sermon into three parts. The first, the first one is idolatry, and the second one is the, uh, the dangers of idolatry, and the, the last one is the curse of idolatry. Let me read it, the chapter 17, first one. There was man of the hill of the country of Ephraim, whose name was Micah, and he said to his mother, the 1,100 pieces of silver that were taken from you, about which you utter a curse, also spoke it in my ears. Behold, the silver is with me. I took it. So first story is about this guy called Micah. So Micah is living in this with his family. So the story kick off is a bit weird, to be honest. So basically the story started by... This guy, Micah, confessed to his mother, I stole your money, mother. I stole your money. And then uh, uh, this money is not just a pocket money, $10, $20. So basically, he stole 1,100 pieces of silver. I'll give you the little bit of context. I, let's jump a little bit into the first 10. So basically, in the first 10, basically, Micah tried to give a salary to the priest. It's one year salary. So he said, that? So the Micah said to the priest, stay with me and, uh, to be my father and the priest. I'll give you 10 pieces of silver for a year. So at that time, the salary of one year is only 10 pieces of silver. Micah stole it 1,100 pieces of silver. It's not about $10. It's about we're talking about 110 years' salary and this big amount of money. It's a big amount of money. And some of you, like a parent, like maybe a little bit, uh, if you're parent, you're going to say, Oh, what's a good boy? Good boy, you have that amount of money and you want to confess your mother? That's a very good boy. But before we come uh, come to that conclusion, let's have a look. What is the reason Micah confessed in First Two? He said that he said to his mother, "The one thousand one hundred pieces of silver they were taken from you, about which you utter a curse." You know what? The main reason why Micah won't confess to his mother It's not because oh, I know that I did what I did is sins. I'm against God. This sin is against God. The reason why Micah confessed to his mother, because he's afraid of the consequences of of the curse. So basically he overheard his mother is speaking a curse on the thief. So when he confessed, it's not coming from a heart of repentance. Is it really showing the book of Judges? There's no sign of repentance. Even we look in there, wow, he confessed. But if you look deeper, the reason why Micah confessed is because he's afraid of the consequences of the curse. Okay, let me ask all the parents, if your kids steal some money from you, of course, we're going to discipline them, right? Put in the naughty corner, or maybe some of you are a bit irritated. And, and this mother is different. This mother is different. In the first to be, his mother said that, blessed be my son by the Lord. It's not stopping in that. First three, and he restored that 1,100 pieces of silver to his mother. And his mother said, I dedicate this silver to the Lord from my hand for my my son to make a carved image and metal image. Now, therefore, I will restore it to you. So when he restored the money to his mother, his mother took the 200 pieces of silver and gave it to silversmith who made it into a carved image and a metal image. And it was in the house of Micah. So it might be a bit different, so I say, ah, oh. it's not only took back the curse. Basically, he thanks to the Lord by making a carved image. As like my uh, subtitle, uh, uh, the idolatry. Straight away, we're going to say that. What kind of idolatry act is that? I mean, making a statue, worshiping the statue, kneeling down to the statue. Man, this kind of Israel is really, really bad. And we straight away we dismiss that. I will not do that for sure. I will not. Maybe I mean uh, I was coming from another religion. I, I was used to worship all the statues at my home. Right now I'm Christians. I will not gonna talk about idol like idolatry. So he's talking about some of uh, pagan world in there. But this parable is give warning for us. In verse three, saying that I dedicate the silver to the Lord. The first didn't say that. I dedicate this to other God. The first didn't say that I'm creating the image of the false God. A God of fertility, of God of rain. She's, she's making a statue of a God of Israel. She's not making a statue of new God, but she's worshipping a true God in the wrong way. So what's the idolatry then? Idolatry is a worship an idol. It's worship an idol, so basically, there's something or someone that captivates your heart other than God. The easy example, which is that worshiping a false God, all those maybe other religions that worshiping the statue is one of the obvious examples of idolatry. But it's not just that. Idolatry also includes worshiping a true God in the wrong way. And this is what we see in this story. This is what we see in the story. So it doesn't matter if their intention, our intention to worship God. It doesn't matter that this, the, the mother intention is good to worship God. But the truth is the carved image is not God. They try to create, basically what they try to do, they try to create their own version of God. Basically what they try to do, they try to reject the true God and they try to choose their own God. And that's basically what they try to do. It doesn't matter that they, maybe their intention looks good, they wanna worship God, but again, if they worship it in the wrong way, it's still considered as adultery. And in this scripture, they choose to make a carved and metal image to represent God. And this is really the warning for us Christian. I mean, we can be here in church, we're sitting, listening, following the judges from start to end, but the question we should ask, do we worship a true God? Or do we try to create a God in our own image? Just a lot of example. I mean, the world right now, I mean, again, every time we go to MC, we just keep kind of sharing that this world is not getting better, this world is getting worse. And the problem of the world right now is they, they don't reject God completely but they just try to create their own version of God. One of the examples is they worship the God that who only love, 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 but overlook the sins. Yes, we should love. It's very clear in the Bible, we should love, but that love must be based on the truth. Another example, within our charismatic circle, we often love to have a problem-free God. It's God that always gives us the easy life. But again, that's not God of the Bible. That's not God of the Bible. And the question that we're going to ask is, why then, why these people do all these things? And this is the first day we, again and again, we read it in the book of Judges in the first six. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And that's really the problem of the Israel. And not only Israel, it's the problem for us as well, in our culture as well. All we want is a God who fits into our expectation. We try to set our own standard instead of obeying the truth. Sometimes that we know that what we did is wrong. But what we try to do, we try to justify everything. I know I'm not supposed to marry the unbeliever, but you know what? I've never been happier. This feeling of happy, I know it's come from God. Oh, I know, I know that I shouldn't sleep with her or him before marriage. But you know what? Both of us pray about it, and both of us have a peace. The question is, are you doing what is right in your eyes? Or are you seeking to do what is right in God's eyes? Parents, including me as well, I think it's very important for us. Uh, we always believe in, the, in this church that what we're doing in the Sunday school is as important as what we're doing in here. And as parents, it's not their main role, their teacher, to show the kids about the standard of living. Parents is our main role to show our kids what is their standard of living, If we as a parent do not show them the word of God as a standard of living, guess what? The song they listen to will determine their standard of living. The culture will determine their standard of living. And it's our main responsibility, parents, to show them what is the standard of living. Let's continue about the story. So Micah created the statue, placed it in the house, there's one thing that he missed, which is he needs the priest. He needs the priest. At that time, every time there's a place of worship, they need the priest. So he come across a Levite. At, during that time, the priest normally comes from the, group, uh, from the uh, Levite group. So he come across a Levite who's passing through the town. Oh, he's so excited and asked the Levite. And asks the Levite. Verse 10b, Micah said to him, stay with me and be to, be, be to me a father and a priest. Listen to this. As a priest, technically, he should know he cannot, do, he cannot be a priest for an idol. As a priest, he technically should know that I cannot do that. I do have to be a priest in here, but I'm going to be a priest of the idol, of the carved image of God. Technically, he know. But let's see what Micah offered him in, in the first 10b. Micah said, that I will give you a 10 pieces of silver a year, and suit of clothes, and you're leaving. And the Levite straight away went in. And the Levite was content to dwell with the man, and the young man become to him like one of his sons. And Micah ordered the Levite, and the young man become his priest, and was in the house of Micah. Just like that. He technically knows he cannot be a priest for the idol. But Micah offered him money, and he agreed. And I I think we can see in here that this priest doesn't care about God's word. This priest just cares about money and about himself. And there's no difference with Micah as well. In the verse 13, he said that, Listen carefully, this is the reason why Micah got the Levite to be a priest. Micah said, now I know that the Lord will prosper me because I have the Levite as a priest. So basically Micah is saying that, you know what? I should get the priest. It's not because of following the word, but because that I know when I take of a couple of things, when I, bo- and when I obey a certain things, I know that I will secure a God's blessing. He did that because he wants something from God. And there's a question from us right now that when we're talking about worship God, what is your purpose of worshiping God? So when you raise your hand, when you sing a song, is there really that you're worshiping God or you're worshiping yourself? Is it truly worshiping Him or you try to gain something from Him? Tim Keller said that the religious people find God useful, but Christians find God beautiful. Sometimes we treat God as we, it's like he were, like a vending machine. We put the coin, I expect someone going to come from the vending machines. And that's really, that's what happened in the prosperity gospel. Oh, I already give the offering. The offering basically, the prosperity gospel teaches you that if you obey certain rules, you know what? You're going to receive the health, you're going to receive the wealth, all the physical prosperity. But the problem is that God never promised that. God never promised that. So what we we have learned so far from this chapter 17. All right, first thing, what we learned so far, first thing is that that many times when we're talking about idolatry, it's very easy that we dismiss the the issue of idolatry straight away. It's not my issue because I'm Christian, I always go to the church. But let me tell you, what we just learned so far from chapter 17, we're talking not about the pagan world, we're talking about the people of Israel, a people of God. And this is really the warning for us, that really that adultery can happen in us. The second thing that we we can learn so far is that many times we dismiss the adultery because we think the adultery just about the image, about the statue. But again, yes, in this story, we may see that someone worshiped the statue, maybe kneeling down the statue, bowing to the statue. But I hope we realize that right now, We are filled with the modern idols. It's no longer in the form of statue, but maybe something or someone that captivates our heart more than God. I think it's important for us to really realize realize this danger, because otherwise we will underestimate the impact of others in our life. It leads me to the second point, which is the dangers of idolatry from chapter 18. So, basically, the chapter 18 is uh, not a story, but it's a continuation from chapter 17. So, it's one big story. And really, that what we're going to witness in chapter 18 is really going to be a true tragedy and really a disaster. Really, like, religious chaos. Really, really chaos. And, and that's really that what the author tried to show us right now in this the last chapter of the book of Judges. Okay, let's just read through from the first one. In those days there was no king in Israel, and in those days the tribe of the people of Dan was seeking for itself an inheritance to dwell in. For until then, no inheritance among the tribe of Israel had fallen to them. So the people of Dan sent five able men from the whole number of the tribe, from Zorah, from Eshtar, to spy out the land and to explore it. And they said to them, go and explore the land. And they come to the hill of country of Ephraim, to the house of Micah, and lost there. Okay, to understand the context, so basically there's a, there's a tribe of Dan, so it's a, basically it's a story, it's a continuation, the chapter 17, but we introduce with the new character, which is the tribe of Dan, which is, is the five spies. So to understand the context, let's clarify why these five spies were sent. So the context is, in Israel, basically there are 12 tribes. So twelve tribe and tribe of Dan is basically one of them. So every single tribe basically God assigned every single tribe assigned a territory. Mm-hmm. So what the tribe needs to do is basically they have to be faithful to God and have to be fully conquer that territory. Mm-hmm. What happened with the tribe of Dan? Basically, the uh, the issue is they unfaithful to God. So what happened? That they didn't really fully conquer the territory. So what happened right now, the tribe of Dan is unhappy with their land. They're unhappy with their land. But the problem of tribe of Dan is instead of they, he, they come to God seeking God's help to really fully conquer that territory, what the tribe then did in Hida, they, they tried to find, to pursue the land elsewhere. And this is basically the context. And, and really the problem of the tribe of Dan is basically the unfaithfulness to the true God. They didn't listen to God. They ignore God. They really kind of like, yeah, basically they don't listen to God. They didn't listen to God. And, and what we found, the tribe of Dan finally going to listen to someone. But unfortunately, they listened to the wrong person. So let's find out. Who's that wrong person? Let's read the next verses. Verse 3, when they were in the house of Micah, they recognized the voice of the young Levite. And they turned aside and said to him, who brought you here? What are you doing in this place? What is your business here? And he said to them, this is how Micah dealt with me. He has hired me, and I have become his priest. And they said to him, so this, the, the spy said to him, said to the priest, inquire of God, please, that we may know whether the journey on we are settling out will succeed. And the priest said to them, Go in peace, the journey on which you go under the eyes of the Lord. So five of those five basically heading north, try to looking for the new, uh, new land, and they, somehow they spend night in Micah house and they overheard there's some kind of accent that's very familiar. And this basically that is basically that is the priest. And they know it is a priest. What happened that the, this spy is asking for blessing from the priest. And the priest said, go in peace. The journey on which you go is under the eyes of the Lord. So the priest basically assured them that God will assist the tribe of them. But the question that we should ask, can we really trust this priest? This priest basically is exactly the same priest in the chapter 17 that worship idols. And now, right now, they, he tried to give the directions. Now what he tried to do, he gave a blessing to the tribe of them. The question right now, can we trust his direction? Can we trust his blessing? Let's follow in the story, and we'll find out. First 17. Sorry, first 7. First 7. And the five men departed and come to Laish. So lies is the territory that the, the spies tried try to have looked. And saw so the people who were there... How they live in security after the manner of Sidonian quiet and unsuspecting, lacking nothing that's in the earth, and possessing wealth. And how they were far from the Sidonian and had no dealing with anyone. And when they come to their brother at Zorah and Estal, their brother said to them, what do you report? And basically the spy saying that arise and let us go up against them. For we have seen the land, and behold, it is very good, very good. Will you do nothing? Don't be slow to go, to enter in and possess the land. As soon as you go, you will come to the unsuspecting people. The land is spacious, for God has given it into your hand, a place where there is no lack of anything that is in the earth. Verse 11. So six hundred men of the tribe of Dan, armed with the weapon of the war, set up from Zorah and Eston, and went out and encamped at the Kiriath-Jerim in Judah. On this account, that place is called Mahanedan to this day. Behold, it is west of Kiriath-Jerim. And they passed on from, the, from, from there to the hill of country of Ephraim, and come to the house of Micah. Verse 14. And the five men who had gone to scout out the country of lies, Say to their brother, Do you know that in this house, which is the Micah house, there are an epod, household gold, gods, and carved image, and the metal image. Now therefore consider that what you will do. And they turned aside there and come to the house of the young Levite, at the home of Micah, and ask him about his welfare. And now the 600 men of Danites, armed with their weapon of war, stood by the entrance of the gate. And the five men who had gone to scout out the land went up and entered and took the calf image, the ephod, the household god, and the metal image, while the priest stood by the entrance of the gate with 600 men within, with the weapons of war. Verse 18 And when these went into the Micah house and took the calf image, the ephod, the household god, and the metal image, the priest said to them, What are you doing? So basically, the spy going back to the tribe, reporting to brother, and said, "Let's go and attack that the country of lies, the city of lies, because it's a very good." And when when they walking over there, they stop by in the in the in Micah house. So basically, then and they realize that Micah have a, a lot of effort household guard, all the carved image. So basically, they try to stall the gods. They 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 try to stall the image the calf image, the metal image. And in the last verses, basically in the first 18, this, the priest tried to be a patriotic, right? So the, 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 uh, the tribe of Dan tried to stall the calf image, and basically that uh, priest saying that, what are you doing? Basically they tried, the priest tried to defend Micah. What are you doing? But again, and then the denar said to him, keep quiet. In the first 19, keep quiet, put your hand on your mouth, and come with us, and be to be us a father and a priest. And listen to this. Is it better for you to be priest to, to the house of one man, or to be priest to be, to, be, to be a priest to a tribe and a clan in Israel? And the priest's heart was glad. He took the epoch and the household cup and the coffee mat and went along with the people. You can see what's happening here. I know it's a bit long story. I hope you follow through. So basically, that he, the, the, the tribe of Dan agreed to attack the city of Lyre. They bring 600 men and then stop by in Micah's house and say, that, you know what? The spy saying saying, brother, you know what? There's an e There's a gas, the metal image in there. What are you going to do? How about let's just take it? Let's just stole it. And what happened? They tried to stole it and, my, and then the priest said, that, what are you doing? try to, try to stop them. And then again, the priest got offered, you know what, Are you thinking that it's better to be a priest just for one family compared to one tribe? And straight away, the priest's heart was glad and he took the ipod and followed the tribe of them. I mean, that really is showing that how corrupt the priest. And this really showing that, again, he's not supposed to be a priest, what he's thinking is just to make him bigger. He's thinking about all about the money and he's supposed to guiding people toward God. But we found in here the priest basically allowed them to worship other God. Let's go back to the my question. This priest give a blessing to the tribe of 10 to attack the city of lies. The question, can we trust this priest? Can we trust the blessing from this priest? This is the same priest that worshiped the idol. If we quickly jump to verse 27, it said that, when the people of Dan took what Micah had met and the priests who belonged to him, and they come to lies to, pe- to a people of quiet and unsuspecting, and struck them with the aids of the sword, and burned the city with the fire, the tribe of Dan attacked Basically, the trap of Dan attacked and burned the peaceful and innocent city of Lish. It's the first important lesson that we can learn from here. The idolatry always leads us to the sinful act and ultimately end in the destruction. And it's basically what happened in the priest. This priest is worshiping the idols, which led him to give the wrong direction to the trap of Dan. And that's the idolatry, basically, church. But idolatry is basically is a hidden sin that really fools all other sins. All of us have our own struggle. Everyone, I, I believe, we have our own struggle. We struggle our specific sins. And one thing that we have to realize, sometimes one thing that we, we know that is our struggle it could be just a surface level problem. For example, we have problem in the scene of lying. It doesn't matter about, maybe you're playing with the number in your work, or you maybe that you always keep saying about the wrong thing, you, 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 you keep lying to your colleague, you keep lying to your, uh, your friend. All those issues could be just a surface level there could be a deeper underlying problem that causing those sins. For, for example, some people, they love to lie because, because they fear of dis- disapproval from their friend. Some other people have their own different problem. They, they, they lie because they really value their reputation more than the relationship with God. So whatever struggle that we have, it could be just a surface-level problem Then we should ask why, and then we're going to find a deeper underlying problem in our life, and that's what we call idolatry. Let's continue reading the story. Sorry, I know it's a bit long, but it's always good to really uh, read the scripture. Verse 21. So they, people of the tribe of Dan, basically they is the, the people uh, from the tribe of Dan, turned and departed. Putting the little ones and the livestock and the goods in front of them. And when they had gone a distance from the home of Micah, the men who were in the house near Micah's house were called up, and they overtook the people of Dan. And they scouted to the people of Dan, who turned around and said to Micah, Micah, what is the matter with you that you come with a such a company? And he, which is Micah, said, that, You take my gods and I made that I made, and the priests, and go away. And what have I left? How then do you ask me, what is the matter with you? And the people of Dan said to him, do not let your voice heard among us. Let angry fellow fall upon you, and you lose your life with the life of your household. Then the people of Dan went their way. And when Micah saw they were too strong from him, he turned and went back to him, to his home. So Micah realized that he, the tribe of Dan took all his idols and also took the priests. So he's very sad. Micah very sad. Micah very angry. And basically he tried to stop the tribe of Dan and then try to confront them. But again, he realized they are just too powerful. I mean, they're coming with 600 men ready to war. And at the end, at what he's feels, he's feeling empty inside. And this is basically what he said in verse 24. He said that, you know what? You took all my idols that I made. You took the priest, and now you just go away and listen what what uh, Micah said, and what have I left? What have I left? Have you ever said that in your heart? What do I, what do I have right now? I mean, pay attention to this church. Worshipping idol always leaves us feeling empty. The second thing that we will learn from this story is that idolatry always leaves us with the emptiness. You're going to have a temporary satisfaction, but it's just a temporary. You may think that if I have these certain things, if I have this position, if I have, if I have this identity as a parent, as a father, or mother, it will fulfill me. It will be enough for me. But you know what? Instead, you're going to feel incomplete you're going to find yourself going to be yearning for more and more you know what every single idol in our life is going to leave us with the emptiness it's going to be leave us with emptiness and gonna disappoint you let's continue with the uh, with the last verses the last few verses Verse twenty-eight, and there was no deliverer because it was far from the Sidon, and they had no dealing with anyone. It was in the valley that belonged to Bethrehob, and then they rebuilt the city and lived in it. And they named the city Dan after the name of Dan, their ancestor, who was born to Israel. But the name of the city was lies at the first, and the people of Dan set up the carved image for themselves. And Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Moses, and his son were priests to the tribe of the until the day of captivity of the land. So they set up Micah, carved image as long as the house of God was at Silo. So the tribe of the dam basically proceed to destroy the last of people. Basically, they rebuild the city to whatever they want. They put all the idols. To be honest, these last few verses is one of my favorite verses. Uh, because I love the movie like Christopher Nolan movie if you love Christopher Nolan that kind of sometimes when they, he make a movie at the end of the scenes the last scenes basically is maybe f- uh, about the kill, killer movie and the last scene basically that one of the guys open you know what I am the killer and no one gonna sus- uh, no one gonna kind of like suspect he's the killer right I love that kind of thing that with a lot of twists and that's why I love these five verses and really that what we've we seen so far from the last two chapters is really that how everything rapidly declined in Israel, spiritually. It's spiritually chaos. And this is one last piece of evidence to show us. The author tries to show us, I think it's on purpose to show us that how quickly Israel is declining in the first 30. And the people of Dan set up the in for them, and Jonathan, the son of Gershom, son of Moses. We heard this word, the priest, from start till the end. And the author just revealed the name at the end. Who is the priest? The priest is Jonathan. Jonathan is the grandson of Moses. Do you see that the author tried to show us that, you know that, how rapidly Israel declined. Moses is the great man in the Old Testament. Just two generations after that, the grandson is worshipped idol. And that's really what happened in these two chapters, that really that the problem of idol is just started from Micah. And then going to the one family, going to the entire family, even the priest, the religious leader. And now we have a look. We end up that the entire tribe worship the idol and this really that the warning for us that to show us you know what church you need to know how idolatry works idolatry always works very subtle very subtle gradually gonna creep in your mind unnoticed you will not realize it until you become more comfortable and eventually you're making it at the center of your life. And then many times we are too easy to dismiss the, 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 the problem of idolatry because we're thinking that idolatry is just about the statue, Or maybe we're thinking that we dismiss the, 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 the idolatry issue because we're thinking that, oh, idolatry is just about the bad things. It's about uh, money. It's about maybe it's about alcohol. But we don't realize idolatry can be anything. And it also can be a good thing. Which is it can be your marriage, it can be your family, it can be your jobs, it can be your degree, your position in the company, even it can be your position in the church. As Tim Keller said, that idolatry happens when we take a good things and make them the ultimate things. And one of the common things of the idols that why we, what I found in the today's culture is is our identity. We place our identity in something else other than God. One of the common things is basically that we put our identity in a social media. We, every time we post something, we see how many likes we have. Every time we post something in the YouTube, we see how many number of watch. And what happened? That as soon as our expectation is not met. We are devastated. Why? Because our, because our identity is crumbled. Another example is parenthood. Being a mother and father can become the issue of identity. Especially for the first time parent, right? We try to protect our kids, right? Put everything, if possible, they are said that in, uh, in the first month of Eliana born. How about let's put the bubble wrap to her, so he's not really knocking anything. Uh, But what we try to do today, we try to put our child at the center of our life. To the point that we become a control freak to our kids. The reason why is uh, we we, we consider as idolatry, because we idolize the idea of a perfect child and perfect family. Just imagine if you're this type of parents. I'm talking to myself as well. How would you react if your child messed up? How would you react when your child messed up? You know what? You're gonna feel like your identity is go to the drain. You feel devastated. And then it's not stopping in there. And how are you gonna react to your kids? you're going to do something out of the frustration to your kids. And many times that also we put our identity, whether, whether we have this title as husband, this title as wife, or this title as uh, father, mother, we believe that having that title as maybe husband and wife is going to fix our problem. It's going to make, make us happy or eliminate my, our loneliness issue. Well, one thing that we need to realize, that all these things can only be filled by God. And that's why that there are many times in the adultery, I think we need to understand the dangers of adultery. Otherwise, if we put our identity in this external factor, we forget who we are in Christ. Instead that we satisfy, we're going to be yearning for more and more. And lead me to my last point. The cure of idolatry. Okay, we're talking about a lot of danger in idolatry. So, what's the cure now? All right. So, but again, let's let like summarize a little bit these two chapters. chapter 17, 18. We have everything in here, right? Started from the son stealing from his mother, and then a mother building the idol. And we then we met with the corrupt priests, and the unfaithful tribe of Dan. That slaughter, the innocent people. I mean, it's really a complete mess. And the worst thing is there's is no signs of devotion. There's no sign of repentance from the Israel. And it's really a very, very sad story. Very sad story, and it's a very, very dark story. And really that this, the book of Judges, basically tried to showcase us, basically this one of the darkest times in the Israel history. This is really the darkest time in the Israel history. But in the same time as well, that I don't want that we finish. In three weeks, we're going to finish the book of Judges. And the main message that we get is, how scary is a book of Judges? How dark is a book of Judges? And that's not really the main point why we're going to a book of Judges. But one thing that I think the purpose also why we want to go through this one is also we want the word of God to reveal our sinful heart. Because the problem of Israel is also a problem of us. What happened in Micah? What happened in Micah building the idol? It can happen to us as well. What happened in the, in the tribe of Dan, which is unfaithful to God, can happen to us as well. What happened to the priests? They corrupt. They're thinking about myself only to make myself bigger, to thinking about money, can happen to me as well. And we must realize that Israel's problem is our problem as well. And again, when we see the problem, there are many times that we are just too quick to point the finger. Oh, the problem is that guy. That problem is my situation. That problem is my condition. But we have to realize the main problem is not there. The main problem is within us, which is our heart. We need a new heart. So how then, how can we get the new heart? The author of Judges emphasized this point by repeating this verse again and again. Chapter 17, verse 6, which is repeated in the chapter 18 and going to be repeated again next week in the nineteen and 21. He said that in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Basically, the, the author of Judges trying to show us, you know what? To fix this issue, we need a righteous king. And the funny thing, after this book, we will, we will find another many kings. We will encounter with many things in the Old Testament. And one of the great ones is the King David. It's King David. But even though these kings sometimes provide help to the Israel, but you know what? They were often no better than the judges. Our problem is far too deep to be fixed by the new king. Our problem is far too deep to be fixed by the new pastor or new church. We need the true king, the righteous kings, and his name is Jesus. I hope from this two chapters, we can see that how Israel fall rapidly and also refill our heart, how sinful we are. And really showing us that this, the book of Jesus, is showing us really the darkest period of the Israel history. You know what, the time of Judges is often hailed as the darkest period of the Israel history. But let me tell you something, it wasn't the darkest time. The true darkness happened at the Calvary. It was there, it was there in the Calvary on the dreadful day that Jesus was completely forsaken completely forsaken by the world, even abandoned by his own disciple, and ultimately abandoned by his Father in heaven. Again, the time of judges, you often consider as the scariest book in the Bible. I don't want to tell this story to my kids, it's too scary. Well, let me tell you, church, it is nothing in comparison of the true horror that happened at the cross. Where Jesus' body was shattered for us. He was beaten without mercy by the soldier. And his body so badly beaten that it was hardly, people saying, it's hardly to be recognized. And his blood was poured out for our sake. But the question for us right now, why did the righteous king have to endure and experience the darkest and the scariest even that this world has ever witnessed. Why? Why the righteous king that there's no hint of darkness. Have to endure this darkest and scariest event. Why? It's because he didn't want his children to experience that kind of darkness. Like the Israelites that our problem just runs too deep, church. The nature of our sin is just too dark. And the weakness, wickedness of our transgressions is demanded a perfect sacrifice. Our sin demanded a perfect sacrifice. And you know what? The righteous king willing to step forward and offer himself to take our place. He surrendered his flawless life Untouched by even a hint of darkness in exchange in our rotten life. I mean, through this divine transaction, He bore the judgment that we deserve. He bore the punishment that we deserve. And through this divine transaction, in Jesus Christ, God sees us spotless, no darkness. And he sees us righteous. I will close with this question. And try to name it in your heart. Don't, don't need to say it out loud, But I think it's important for us to be brutally honest in, your, in our heart. What is the biggest idol in your life? What is the biggest idol in your life? Is there something or someone that took the place of the Lord God in your life? Because this is the thing, though. If we already realize that one, we have to know the solution is not try to be fight that idol. Oh, I have to be a better people. I have to do a better plan. I have to make a better plan. I have to do this, do that. No. The solution of that, that we need to fill our heart with something that's more beautiful than those idols. I mean, unless that we can see Jesus is more valuable than those idols. We will not put Jesus at the rightful place as a king in our life. Idolatry is everyone's problem. And we have to know, we have to know the dangers, and we have to know how to cure it. Like the song that we are about to sing after this, the lyrics say, Lord, our feet have wandered all the earth. We try this, we try that, church. And we feel unsatisfied. Drinking from the sea of emptiness has left us dry. And the song says, so we turn our eyes to the only one that can satisfy my soul. We turn our eyes to someone, the righteous king. His name is Jesus, our treasure. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to listen to your word. Rebuke us, rebuke our heart. There's many times that we have the idol, we know we have the idol. There many times we, we try to hide our idols. Every time that every single Sunday, in our confession, confession of sins, we confess all the sins. But only one sins that we didn't confess. And many times that we found that's our idols. That we hide inside. On the deepest, on the very far, far away that people, other people don't want to see. it. Open our eyes, open our heart to admit and forgive us, Lord, that many times, that many times we are like the Israelite. And many times we like the East light and we try to do whatever we can by ourselves, with our strength. But we know that's not really the solution. Help us, Holy Spirit, to turn our eyes to the only one that can satisfy my soul. To turn our eyes that can really fulfill the gap in our heart. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.